Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I am Jody Grimm and I am the girl who says what everyone is thinking, unapologetically myself as often as possible. I am here to laugh with you and have real conversations about all that life throws at us. I want to encourage you to own who you are, but not settle for it, to keep growing in your tenacity and your strength of character. The goal of this podcast is still the same three seasons in, that you will laugh, cry, and be challenged, but mostly that you will realize you are not alone in your struggles or your dreams. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, friends. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the More Jody podcast. More Jody with more Lindsay and more Carly today. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> Hey everyone, um, it's Lindsay again, and I am so happy to welcome my, am I allowed to say little sister? You can say little. Little baby, <laughs> precious sister. <laughs> you led with little and then added baby and precious. Little baby sister, baby. who is a grown woman with uh, lots to chat about today. Um, Jody has met my sister before at my wedding, and she was 14 years old, we just found out. So. It's been a little while. So little. You were so little. (laughs) Do you think we were so cool? Tell me everything. Um, Yeah, sure. Yeah. (laughs) We were. We're so grown up and you were also babies. You were also like early 20s. So we were all little. We were not that grown up. Mm -mm. We probably felt old to you. Now I'm sure I feel old to you. (laughs) I feel old to me. Does that matter? we're all old we're thriving though I feel like I'm in my prime and I keep telling Dan like I'm excited to get old it's gonna be great yeah can't wait yeah get, I feel like out of the house yeah. maybe buy an RV ready okay I have a question so for three women who love what they do do you get excited about the thought of retiring or do you hate the thought of retiring Lindsay go yeah I get excited about it because I, I do. I don't think I'll ever not work at something. I'll always have something like I like being productive. So I will either, I don't know. I don't know what I'll do, but I, I don't think I can plan weddings forever. Mm. Um, actually there are a few women that I really look up to in my industry that are killing it and they are like in their sixties or one might be in her seventies. I'm not quite sure how old she is, but they're killing it and making lots and lots of money. Um, but I would like to retire someday and just hang out with my grandkids if I have any. Oh yeah. Yeah. What about you, Carly? Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> That's destroyed me. Yeah. No, I can't wait. I mean, I think just like I took, uh, we'll probably talk about this more later. I took like a leave of absence over the summer to just like kind of recenter myself and waking up every day and being like, what do I feel like doing? What does my body need? What does my soul need? Like, what does my brain need? Yeah, I could do that forever. I think I'd like right now it might be a little bit early, but yeah, I would, <laughs> I'm incorporating retirement into my weekly agenda at this point in, in life. So I can Small. eat. Bits but. of retirement. Bites, bites, bites. Well, <laughs> I hate the thought of it. I hate you it. You? Yes. I feel like everybody who I know who's retired is like playing Sudoku and then bored. And I'm mm. like, I can't do. But then I guess we get to pick, which is like the premise of this whole conversation, <laughs> yeah. what our life looks like, what our retirement looks like 
course I want to hold and squeeze and play with my grandbabies and just bake at will because that's my obsession. But yeah, that's a good point. We get to control that, right? The people who are retired now are not the same as our generation. True. They're not risk takers. Yeah. So they they are doing crosswords and (laughs) watching a lot of TV. (laughs) And hey, if you're listening and you've taken a break from your crosswords and you're, you're binge watching TV, we are glad you're here. We are so glad you're here and we have so much to learn from you. So glad. And one of my big things is, which is awesome to have Coach Carly on today, you can carve a new path. It doesn't matter what age you are. So if you're 60 and you haven't chased a dream yet, the time is now. (laughs) Here we go. Great segue. So Carly, can you tell us, uh, tell us your journey? Well, first of all, tell us what you do, which is probably going to be a whole thing. And then your journey on how you got there. (laughs) Um, yes. So I am a career coach to, um, mid-career professionals, mostly women. Um, and most of the people that come to me are trying to figure out what's next. So they're at a point of their journey of their career journey, um, where they're either like me, where they kind of burnt out and realized that what they were doing, um, didn't no longer aligned with kind of who they are. Um, or they're, you know, at a company where they're just like kind of hitting a wall. So, um, that's who I work with. I have been in events for 10, 11, 12 years, something like that. Um, and have just kind of worked my way up to planning like international events with a lot of like B2B startups and doing, um, a lot of like event strategy for startups and, Um, it's been a really fun journey. I've been to, I don't know, 15 different countries and gotten to travel all over the world and like do really cool things. Um, Four years ago, we went to Hong Kong. We did. Exactly four years ago. It came up. It was exactly four years ago. Yeah. This this week we went to Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah. It was wild. (laughs) Are people happy in Hong Kong? No. (laughs) I was going to say, Yeah. I don't know. Well, kind of. Oh, many of them. I feel like they're busy. It's, it's, like everything is made there. Every tag I look at, and like people in China are really busy. And then so they aren't busy. allowed to be Christians. They're mm-hmm. like they're under the communist regime, right? So we're so hard. Curious. Yeah, always curious it's, about China. It's filled with people. Yeah, they're not smiling a lot though. No. Maybe that's just a cultural thing. You yeah. think they're happy? I probably think they're happy. I think they're doing great. I think Carly's optimistic. No, I think they're doing great. Um, yeah, so I got to do a lot of international travel. Um, but I, I think kind of like where I came to was that, um, I was just really burnt out and it also just didn't really align with like the person that I am anymore. Like I was really good at it. I think one of the things that I learned is just because you're really good at something doesn't mean you have to do it and doesn't mean you have to love it. You don't owe it to anyone to continue doing it. So, you know, I had a lot of, I've had a lot of people be really surprised and still try to ask me about events and, um, you know, we're just kind of shocked that I was going to leave that. But I think I've been supporting uh, tech for a long time, which means I've been supporting uh, white men for a long time. And uh, they don't need my help. And I feel like there's a lot of like women out there that do need my help in progressing their career. And, you know, I think the same like kind of strategy mindset and 
being able to like rally people around a goal and help people figure out what their goals are. A lot of those things are stuff I did with like event marketing. And I feel like it's, you know, similar that I'm doing for my clients now. So really what you're doing then is you're helping people just unpack, right? Like all the bits about them. Cause I think something I said to Lindsay before we started, before you joined us today is that the generations of women that worked before our generation. So I want to say some of us, our moms worked or like worked odd jobs kind of here and there, their mothers were like, I know my grandma worked at a dental office and she did a bunch of stuff like that. And she was, um, did very well at that, but it wasn't the same as what we experience now where it's like, Hey, I feel like I'm made for more than sitting at this dental. Like if that's what you want to do, fill your boots. But I think what our generations and the reasons why a lot of women need a coach is because we haven't seen this modeled, this like chasing a dream, finding a career that lights me up, doing it, stepping into it every day. And so I see so like so, so, so much importance on people like you doing that career counseling and helping people unlock themselves really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like a lot of us chose our career path when we were like, you know, 22, And like, that's not, you know, like you start this out, you go to school or whatever, you start getting jobs after high school and you kind of land in this track. And I think like, you know, I'm talking to a lot of people that have just kind of stayed in that, but I, I would hope most people are not the same person that they were when they were 22 at 22, you don't really know anything about yourself. And so I think a lot of what I'm seeing is like, I think a lot of us have evaluated ourselves and who we are in the last couple of years, like having so much stripped, so many distractions stripped away really had you go like, okay, how do I actually like spending my time? What do I know about myself? Like what happens when I'm actually feeling my feelings and then having to do work in this like totally different environment is like, how do I actually feel about the work I'm doing and not being in an office or, you know, I wasn't traveling as much and that like really kind of made me be like, how do I really actually like doing this? Um, And so, yeah, I think a lot of it is just like, what are your skills, but also what do you value and what are your priorities and what, what like lights you up and it's work, like not every day is going to be amazing, but uh, if the bigger picture is something that, um, makes you feel like getting up most days. I feel like that's kind of what everyone's driving towards. Well, and I know in September you posted, I just think this is so powerful because I believe there are so many people sitting in jobs that they're just tolerating. And you kind of said that the warning signs that you might be ready for something else are feeling unmotivated about projects that used to excite you. I think even in that right there, it's like being ready to step up to the next thing. You might still be okay in your company or whatever, but you need to level up yourself because it's become stagnant. And then it said taking longer to do tasks that used to be able to knock out quickly, mostly just because you're like, Mm -hmm. and then no longer putting energy into moving up and feeling, oh, what I just said, stagnant. But I just think that's such a, there are so many people that are living in that and choosing it like that's like, that's the best they can get. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. When I think, you know, some people are as like driven or motivated or whatever, but I would kind of beg to differ. I think like if you're, if you feel like you've always been like really not driven to, you know, move up or get more experience or more knowledge or try new things or whatever, I I think a lot of that might just be like, you're probably not in the right place. You're probably not in the right role. And so I, yeah, I mean, I guess what I noticed with me is like, I just, 
it was taking me a lot longer to do things. It was like feeling more, um, or just like less motivated and also just didn't have the same desire to like take on more and more and more. And I think also just that kind of hustle culture, I feel like people are being disillusioned by that. You know, it's like all of a sudden you're hitting your thirties, forties, and you've been working really hard and you're like, where have I gotten other than the fact that I haven't, I don't know anything about myself. I don't have any like strong relationships. I don't have any hobbies. I don't, you know, the only thing I define myself by is my career. And I think that, um, you know, like when I was taking that time off, I was like, wow, there are all these other pieces of me that I've like gotten to know that aren't just what I do happen to do for a living. Well, I, I've been an entrepreneur for a very long time and I've like had little teams that I work with for, on different projects, but for the most part, I have not been in the corporate world at all. And I know Jody and Carly, you both have, how do you think the corporate world and, and kind of those types of jobs, how has that all shifted? Cause I know a lot of people quit when COVID hit mm-hmm. all kinds of jobs. They quit all kinds of jobs and went to do other things or went on unemployment or whatever. But how have you seen specifically like kind of the corporate world shift? Yeah. I mean, I think like, especially like I've been in this startup space, it's like very flashy and even big corporations, right? It's like the, you know, uh, Google and Facebook, all their like campuses and stuff where they have like these like nap rooms and video games. And like, I think like once you kind of strip away all of that like fluff, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, what is the company? How do you actually support me? Right? Like, how are you supporting in my growth in my personal life? Like, what are my benefits really? Um, how are you supporting me working from home? What, how can I build relationships with my coworkers when we're not in the video game room at the (laughs) office? Like, right. you know, having beer Fridays or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think like once you kind of have stripped away those things, I think that um, a lot of companies weren't really prepared to actually show up for their employees. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, layoffs, especially, I feel like you learn a lot about a company, the way that they handle hard times. And I understand companies are going to have to lay people off. I think that, you know, watching how they do that um, I feel like a lot of people are just kind of seeing like the, the cracks in, in those big companies and not feeling the same sort of support and growth opportunities. And, you know, we all have like struggled a lot in the last couple of years and some companies have been really amenable to that and some really, really haven't. Yeah. I think too, um, like you basically just said, but like a drive towards wellness, family and avoiding burnout. That's what I noticed. Now I switched, I moved companies in January because I wanted access to senior leadership. I didn't want to be seven layers below the CEO sort of thing. And I knew that I wanted to impact change more for people. Um, But I noticed like the company I work for, one of their, their core values is family first. And I thought that was so weird. And, but like phenomenal, right. You know, and if I have to go get my kid from, but like, they really mean it, like go get your kid from school or do whatever it is you need to do that day. And I feel like that's been sort of the shift is corporations realize you can't just drive revenue for them. You're a whole multifaceted person. I know they still want money. I am not a fool and I am a capitalist and I love to drive business, but I think you can't forsake the people. And I think that's what we realized was this go, go, go burnout mentality. Like the last person to shut the lights off is praised is no good. Yeah. It's not certain. 
Yeah. When I think that, you know, there was like, there's always been a lot of leeway for, um, like parents in, in companies or not always, but, you know, I've experienced that of like, Oh, Carly, you're like the single young female. You don't have kids. Like you get to, you have to go on this trip or you're, you can stay late. Right. And I think like, in pandemic, those were the people that struggled the most Were you know, you're alone in your apartment and all of a sudden you're like trying to work and, um, you know, you have your counterparts or have kids and, you know, I guess I shouldn't say struggled the most. Everyone was struggling, but I think in terms of, of like workload, I think that those people got dumped on a lot. And, and I think that that like family first has to also apply to people that like, I am my own family or I have extended family or I have like of community. And I think there's just like that. Some of those benefits are, are kind of like misaligned to what, um, you know, you have to put your money where your mouth is like family first only goes so far, unless you're actually like putting those policies in place that allow people to take care of themselves. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We need to take care of ourselves and our families, but mostly ourselves during the pandemic. Okay. I think you kind of touched on this a little bit, but if you could maybe get more specific on the toughest obstacles you faced along your career path that you Mm -hmm. feel are kind of where you got to where you were today, like Mm -hmm. what were their mental or literal bridges that you had to cross? And like, and like the shining star moment, like where you're like, I got to follow that star. I got like this turned me around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like um being in events and especially in event marketing, um, it's such a female dominated industry that um one of like the literal I guess physical struggles I had was that because it was a female dominated industry, I was paid a lot less than my male counterparts. I was promoted a lot less. I had a lot less growth opportunities. You know, I would watch like a male in a different part of marketing, uh, that had the same or often less experience than me be promoted two, three levels above me and, and like almost certainly had double the amount of pay. And so that just in and of itself was really hard for me to be able to like really grow my career, really be valued, get that access to leadership. Like you were talking about, like, I never got a seat at the table, you know, I did the math and I brought in 46% of the leads that the entire company got in one year. And I still didn't have access to those conversations. I still wasn't a strategic partner in that company. Um, So I think that that was just like really hard. Um, I think that's because of just the way corporations or, or maybe that company specifically view events. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, like, oh, you're just the cute little events girl. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. no, I am, I am really good at my job, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, like, I, um, I'm very data-driven, and I had a lot of, like, mentors that kind of helped me understand, like, I'm not just like, here's how many people showed up, and we had good conversations. I'm like, here are the net new logos. Like, here are the deals we signed. Here are, like, the companies that came back after this. Like, here are how many pe- here's how many people watched a demo and signed up for a newsletter. And like, you know, I, I was able to do that. And that's a lot of why I moved from in-house to like consulting with events was because I recognized that not all, um, not all other event marketers were doing that. And I felt really like motivated and I guess called to kind of help provide that information. Cause the more you can put like 
real numbers and real results behind what you do, you know, the more likely it is for you to be like taken seriously, to get promoted for your programs, to get more, um, attention within a company, more support. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of times people don't really know what goes into an event and I, I never had a CMO or a VP of marketing that had an event background. There are very few CMOs that have an event background. So everyone that I was reporting to and working with, no one had ever done events before. And so it's just really hard to like show what goes into it. And so instead of showing what goes into it, I showed what comes out of it. And I feel like that did help uh, kind of validate the, what I was doing for the company. Um, I think that was like a big piece of, of kind of why, you know, at a certain point you just kind of grow resentful. There's only so much shouting I can do and and so much self-promotion I can do about what it is that I do and, and how good I am at it. Um, and then I think also just like events, you're taking care of everyone else. That's like your job is to like, not just think about all the different pieces, but to make sure that, you know, you're in charge of the vibe, like you're in charge of everyone's feelings, making sure everyone feels calm and supported and taken care of. And, um, it's hard to kind of get that back. And there, I was realizing that like, I was putting out so much, but the output was not filling me up. Like I'm taking care of all these people. I'm driving these results. And at the end of the day, I just was like, I don't really care. Like, I don't, I did a great job, but I don't really care that I helped them meet this goal. I don't really care that I helped this like corporation or this organization, like drive these logos or whatever. Um, and so I think that like completely feeling drained all the time after always managing everyone else's emotions and making sure everyone feels taken care of and always thinking of other people and never thinking of myself that was so much to put out without like having any input of like, wow, this was great. I did a good job. And like, I feel filled up by the result of this, like in kind of those like corporate events, I just, it just wasn't there. Yeah. I wonder too, like in those moments, like I was writing down here that people need to find a place for themselves where their best skills are utilized. But I think a lot of times it's recognizing that everything's a practice and a progression. So even for you, you hit your ceiling there and some people leave or they get promoted or whatever before they hit their ceiling, you know, those people, <laughs> I was like, why am I not those people? But I think a lot of times too, is that was like such a, probably an important part of your journey and realization was getting to those spots. And then you propel high from there. Yeah. 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 When I think it's like figuring out what your skills are and then really aligning it with like, what are your values? What's most important to you? You know, like, especially event planners, like that's such a wide array of skill set. Like, you know, I work with a lot of like marketers and project managers and event marketers. And, um, that skill set is so broad, you know, like I've gone fully corporate events and like Lindsay, you've gone fully weddings. And it's just like, there's so much in between that and so much outside of that. Like, I can organize anything. I can help people meet a goal. I can motivate people. Like I can mentor someone, I can train someone, but it's like in what, you know, a lot of the work that I'm doing is just like, let's take all of that. Like your skills are great, but like, what is really important to you and what fills you up? Like, I'm really good at like putting together milestones and spreadsheets and stuff, but like, 
and ordering like internet and power and junk for a booth. Do I love that? No, I would love to never do that again. Like, you know, it's like, that's not what fills me up just because I'm really good at being hyper-organized and like super detailed 24 seven. It's like, that is so draining to me. And that doesn't, that doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. Okay. So tell us what does make you feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess like I started realizing, um, and this is like kind of part of what I baked into my coaching packages is like, this is just what's worked for me. And what has worked for me is I started like really writing down, like, what are the things that I like doing? Like, what are the things that are making me feel really good at this job? And a lot of it was like kind of the teaching, mentoring, motivating piece. And, you know, I went from like, do I want to be a teacher? And then I was like, no, like, you know, so I've kind of been contemplating this for the last like three or four years. And it's like, teacher wasn't quite it. And I was like, what about HR or like people ops? And it's like, that's not quite it. Um, and I think like coaching fills me up because it's, I'm making an impact on one person's life and it's just your career, but your career is most of your time. Like this is where you're spending most of your time. And I know what it feels like to have put so much energy into this thing and to find yourself by it and to find out that that thing doesn't really serve you anymore. And so I get a lot of joy out of um, helping guide and support someone to figuring out like what does bring them joy and what does fill them up and how they can use their vast array of skills and they pick the ones they really enjoy using on something that really matters to them. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, who is your ideal client or kind of, if you had to kind of make up a persona of the type of people you coach, like who do they look like? How old are they? Where are they at in their career? That kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that really someone who is in the middle of their career, they're either like a manager or a director, or they're trying to be a director or a VP or something. Um, that's just trying to figure out what's next, you know, either they've been in this career for a long time and they're looking to make a pivot to something completely different, or they're looking to start at, you know, a new company or grow into a new role. Um, but I think really anyone that's like, finally said like, okay, this isn't for me anymore. I need help figuring out what's next. Um, I mostly work with women and really all ages I've had you know, people in their twenties, people in their forties, like, I think burnout can happen at any age. Um, and I think that like, you know, a lot of people have started their careers a lot earlier, have moved up the ladder, um, especially in startup world, like you're 27 and you're a senior director. Cause it's just how things shake out. So, um, yeah, I think like mostly women mid career and really anyone that's just trying to say like, what, what am I doing next? Where am I going from here? Yeah. How did I get here? Yeah. I would love to see some older women come talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're um, in 30 years and you're like, what am I doing? I'm going to retire in like five to 10. And you're like this, yeah. what do I do? Uh, <laughs> I feel like they should talk to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have I've had some um, like, yeah, older women that I just talked to someone who'd been at her same company for 19 years and was just left and was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just knew I couldn't be there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm always so much, so proud of people's audacity in those moments because you know, that person is risk averse. Like mm-hmm. they are not likely to leave a job. And I think years ago, our parents' generation was like so excited when I think my dad retired with like 35 years at his company or whatever. And mm-hmm. now if someone tells me that, I'm like, were you like wearing handcuffs? What made you stay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Right? Yeah. Like what made you stay there that long and not outgrow those people or that situation in any way? Yeah. 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 Or even just income. I mean, unfortunately, like the reality is if you uh, leave your current role, you will, even if it's a lateral move, you will always end up making more money. Like that's just how it works out. And so even someone being at a company for 1935 years it's like you've sold yourself short on what you can really like achieve at this point on how high you can get or how much money or you know things you get to work on you know the more valued you are the more picky you get to be about what you want to do within a company so yeah I really like feel for those people and I just don't think people are really doing that anymore yeah I used to always tell people like you should always leave to get more money like I know I know it's not all about money obviously we know that it was, funny thing about incomes with like men and women is Canada's messed up in a lot of ways. I'll be the first one to tell you that, but I don't feel that here at all. Isn't that funny? The whole like female male thing in, and I don't, I'm in the insurance industry and I specifically work in like business development and sales and stuff, not actually selling anything myself really, but I don't feel like that. And I'm always like, is that like a big thing in America? Like, I can't imagine someone applying for my job and being a man and then offering him 20 grand more or like 50% more. Like you said, like, I just am like, maybe that's more there or other countries. I don't know. I, I know I hear it all the time, but I'm like, that doesn't, maybe it's my industry. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I hear, um, I think it's less about what's being offered and more about what's being asked for. And I think a lot of women ask for, oh yeah, we're like much less uh, likely to value ourselves. And, you know, men can be pretty bold. (laughs) And I think women often ask for less um, because, I mean, we just haven't always been valued as much in the workplace. And it's just a lot harder for us to usually ask for what we actually deserve and be assertive. We're also less likely to apply if we don't have the exactly perfect credentials. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is sad. So sad. <laughs> I've only asked for a raise twice and it and both times I didn't ask for enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you're asking yeah. for like, raises. Well, a lot of women don't do that either. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was very bold just asking. And then when they asked how much I weigh underbid. Mm-hmm. So I you were say they asked how much you weighed. I was like, what? <laughs> no. I, no I've asked for raises twice and they've been like well how much and I've been like uh I bust a little I guess <laughs> just a little bit it's fine a little bit it's fine <laughs> you know I think it's so funny too because I don't this is like it everything to me speaks to the value of needing a coach in literally almost anything and the sad part is is that we're so bad at committing to ourselves Right. Like for some reason, if someone said, if Carly's like, you know what, Lindsay, I think you need to go in and I think you need to ask for X and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. And in your head, you're going to do it because you committed it to Carly. You should do it just because you committed to Lindsay, but there's something in us that unless we've committed to someone else, 
And that's like one of the biggest powers of coaching is you need that person to hold you accountable to achieving your own dreams and calling you on your crap, right? When you can't see past your nose. Yeah, I would say it's that accountability and also that cheerleading, you know, it's like when you know you have someone that's like going to root you on and that when you do ask and you do get that raise that you're going to have someone that's like, you know, excited for you and propping you up and being like, I'm so proud of you. Like that also goes so far. It's like the accountability and then also just that support of like, you know, we have to do really hard things sometimes and having someone validate that that was a hard thing, I think is also a really important piece of coaching. Um, otherwise it's just a lot less fun. And then you just do the scary thing and you're like, all right, well, I did it. Cause I said I would, but having someone to celebrate those like hard moments with, I think is also really important. Something I want to mention just cause it came into my head and I don't know if it came into my head for a purpose, but I was coaching a woman once and her, she was 49 and wanted to carve a new path. But before she felt like she could carve a new path, she had to pay off some debt. And it was, it was not what I ever thought I would coach someone on, but she kind of just asked for it. And I was like, let's do it. And when she called me to be like, I sold the car that's been sitting on my driveway for like two years that I had no use for. I paid off this loan to my ex-husband and no one is like, no one is making me feel guilty. There is nothing blocking me. I can go do this thing with freedom. There is something like I could have just cried for a year to see someone, right? Like to see someone figure that out all they're doing is that check-in, but they had to get clear on what was blocking them and what was holding them back. And then once they do, it's usually like tangible, easy checklist items, like put your car on Kijiji or whatever, Craigslist, like do, don't get murdered when people come to test drive it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know what I mean? Like it's so often, it's just a tangible checklist, but we make everything so hard And it's talking to a coach that breaks it down and helps you be like, okay, so if you got clear on that, would you be able to do, take the next step? And then they're like, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. They they have space because so much of it for a woman who's single or indebted to someone else, right. Because of like what they owe, they feel hopeless. They get stuck in a job they don't love because there's no, they can't see outside of it. Yeah. 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 Well, and those big questions, like, what do I want to do with my life? Like, that's a huge question, you know? And so I think just like, to me, the job of a coach is like to take that question and break it out into smaller questions that are easier to answer. And instead of just like, what do I want to do with my whole life? It's like, what's the next step? Like, what's the next little step that we can take towards figuring out what's next? And also knowing, you know, I like, I'm definitely fall victim to that kind of like all or nothing or like thinking just like so far into the future of just like, this is always and never. And I think that, um, you know, something I've had to realize is like, okay, if this doesn't work out or you don't like it or whatever, you can do something else. Like there are always going to be other options. And I think, especially for women, and I know, you know, a lot of women in events, project management, I'm like, we know how to problem solve you like, you will always figure it out. You will always figure out how to pay your bills. You will always figure out how to take care of yourself. Like you will always figure it out. And I think that that's like, you know, as I've been entering into this new thing, like it's scary to start a new business and to leave an industry I've been in for a long time. And I've just had to remind myself, like I have to trust myself. 
I'm moving towards what feels like warm for me. And I think that, um, yeah, I also just have to know that I will always figure it out. I always have, I always will. I love that. Resilience. Mm -hmm. What's one word to describe your journey? Do you have one? Can you think of one word or is it resilience? (laughs) That might be it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's like a, a pretty good word. I have been very, uh, resilient. I think very flexible. Um, I think just in general, like my recent journey is just, I would say grace. Like I've just been giving myself a lot of grace, a lot of flexibility. I'm not pushing myself too hard. I'm doing what feels good. I'm reevaluating, you know, I think just like giving yourself grace and when, you know, I've had a couple consultations where they haven't booked and I've had to go, okay, like it's, you're not going to be for everyone. Everyone's not going to be for you. Timing is everything. And I think just giving myself some grace to like really figure this out and I don't know, just figure out how to navigate this new chapter, I think is, is what I'm trying to do most. Something to encourage you that I've been thinking about in the last little while is I coached a couple people that really didn't align with me. Like they didn't want to do the work for themselves. And so now it's not, it's what I do when it makes sense. It's not my main job. Right. And so it's different for me, but that's something I think even in people listening to this is they need to find a coach. That's the right coach for them, whether it's a man, whether it's, you know what I mean? Like a different personalities and that sort of thing. And some people just need a therapist. (laughs) All of us need a therapist, but do you know what I mean? Like, I think, um, coaching brings out, we should always be looking to our weaknesses. Like that's what I believe. And so, but I think a lot of people, when there's like a crack in their armor and you kind of like put your finger in it, they're like, Oh, I don't want to look at that. I don't want to look at that. And and that's, there's no space for that. I feel like sort of in coaching or you find, a, I don't have space for it, but if other people do, then they need a different coach. Right. And so that's a great way to say it to coaches or to people looking to be coached is that they have to find the right fit for them. And the same thing with the coach, the coach needs the right. And that's where an intake call, right. And trying to get some of those clear key questions asked that helps you see if you want to accept this person because they might not be the right fit for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like trusting your gut and if you're like, I'm not sure it's probably a no, you know, how often have you gone from like, I'm not sure to being like, yes, absolutely. 100%. This is it. Like, you know, I think you have to trust your gut. Um, and yeah, fit is, is really important. Luckily, like I'm, I feel really grateful that I had done, um, event consulting and and done contracting because I took everyone. I was so worried at first and was so nervous about making income and having enough clients. And I took everyone that came to me and there were some where I ended up having to be like, this really isn't what I do. This really isn't my expertise. I don't think this is a great fit. Um, which I think being able to just acknowledge, like you can say yes and then say no. Um, but I think that was a really good lesson for me because there were some of them where I just like my gut was telling me like this isn't a great fit, but I said yes to everything and then was spread way too thin and the, the clients that really were a good fit I didn't have enough time for. And um, so I think like I'm glad I learned that lesson so that I can really like ease into coaching and take people that I feel confident and comfortable and that we are a good fit. 
um, and that I'm actually able to support these people, you know. Can I relate that to wedding planning? I was just going to say, actually, <laughs> I was going to ask, I was actually going to say, Lindsay, do you have that? Like, do you say no to some people or do you say yes to everybody? I say no a lot now. So I started in this industry a long time ago and I was in a place where I didn't really, like, I just kind of got thrown into wedding planning and we were a high volume company and we said yes to every, like every lead we entertained every single lead we were hopping on a call and trying to win their business and you learn pretty i mean it's a great way to gain experience yeah <laughs> because i did um i think i did like 50 weddings the first year not not just me but like assisting like we would have um you know three and four wedding weekends in the spring and fall um and so I got lots and lots of experience um, and just got to figure out who I wanted to work with and who I didn't. Um, so I didn't really start saying no, though, until I launched my new company and was like this, like I had a very clear picture. I have it all written out of like who I want to work with, the type of um, couple I want to work with, what they value, the type of venue they want to get married in, um, you know, how much they want to invest in their wedding, um, all of that. And so I ask really strategic questions on my intake form. And then before we even get on the phone call, I ask even more questions on another form just to make sure that we're aligned. And I, it's really empowering to be in this place in my career where I can do that. Um, because it can get really exhausting just trying, just always trying and trying to get, you know, to drum up more business and having, feeling like you have to say yes to everybody and then working with people who do not align with you at all. And it's, that's really, really draining. So I'm happy to be in a place where I know who I want to work with and I, and I know how to kind of weed out the ones that I don't want to work with. That's super powerful. Just going, yeah. it takes away from a scarcity mentality just to abundance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I have, I have said no to a couple of weddings that I, you know, by all means, dollar signs should have maybe said yes to, but I just didn't feel good about them. And, um, you know, more things are coming my way. So. Well, and, and what is it, if you think about burnout, in any career, it's like, um, just because it's possible doesn't mean it's necessary. That's not the saying, but it's like something like, oh, that. yes. That um, just because you're available. Oh shoot. What is that quote? I just got, I have this quote written down literally from a couple of weeks ago, but it was something like, just because you're available does not mean that you should fill that time with more work. That's oh, kind that's of not, not even what I was going to say, but that's like, okay super profound that's a, different, that's a different avenue but right. but it's the same it's it's that's perfectly applicable here too right just because you're available doesn't mean it's a fit even yeah yeah and i tell my kids all the time just because it, fair doesn't mean equal what are my favorite quotes <laughs> when, when they're like he got a cheeseburger and i had salad i'm like fair doesn't mean equal but also <laughs> Just because, yeah, just because you ha you're available doesn't mean you should. Also, your lack of planning is not my emergency. 
Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just want to throw that out for anyone who needs to tell someone that today. Um, Right. But yeah, like just because it's possible doesn't mean it's necessary or doesn't mean you have to take it on or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I I once catered a Christmas party for 50 people just because I wanted it to have homemade food. (laughs) (laughs) I had no space in my life for it. And that was like the beginning of like the end of like my thyroid weight gain. Like my body was like Christmas came. I didn't even want to cook for my own family. I was like, so done, but it was like, I just did it because I was like, I, I can do it. I can do it. Can do yeah, it. I absolutely <laughs> should not do it. I absolutely should not. Right. So it's one of those, I feel like so often in life, women have to go through that to like learn not to do that later. But isn't that funny? I'm not a caterer. I've never been, but I'm like one of those people. I'm like, I can do anything. I'll do anything. And then I'm like, no, it's a yeah. bad idea. Yeah. Just because yeah. you can, doesn't mean you should. Yeah. yeah. But alt- alternative, alternative careers for you, Carly. Mm. I wrote down, do you sing alto? <laughs> um. Uh, I actually did. I was uh, in on a road trip with my um, boyfriend this weekend and made him listen to me bell always be my baby at the top of my lungs um, where I carry a few didn't know that already. Um, <laughs> and I do feel like I nailed it. So he said it sounded good, but it's a new good. relationship. So maybe he's lying. <laughs> good. Just good. good. He's like, you sounded good. <laughs> Great. It's good. He also wants to keep dating you by the sound. Yeah. Um, you have such a beautiful speaking voice. Thank that you. I was like, could you please talk me to sleep? Like it is so soothing. Yeah. Calm app. I'm available. <laughs> would love to You're on the comment. No, never. I just think oh, she okay. has like the most you beautiful podcast with your beautiful voice. Yes. Carly's coaching podcast. You know what I think is a podcast idea, mm-hmm. but no one would do it because people wouldn't be able to be that vulnerable. I think coaching calls should be recorded and put up as a podcast you wouldn't have to know the people to like hear them and hear their obstacles and their barriers and then you see them in your own life million dollar idea the other thing is I did coaching with a girl back in 2017 and then I wanted to come on to I don't know if she called it a coaching collaboration but it was me it was two coaches four people I think we all got 20 minutes each and I got to hear the coach coach them in each of their businesses. So I just sat there listening and it was super profound because my one friend was in it with me and she hated it. She thought it was so stupid, but I like loved it because I loved listening to, and and you start to hear people recognize, and then you see it in your own life quicker because you've seen it in someone else's life. Anyway, it's another million dollar idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have like some workshop ideas in the future. So keep an eye out for those where it can just think even just knowing that someone else is going through the same thing or has been through it or something similar, like, and just again, having those cheerleaders is like also really powerful. And I'm, I'm glad I've been reaching out to a lot of career coaches and have my own shout out to Nicole case if she listens. Um, but I think that it's really powerful to have a community and I'm hoping to do some workshops where people have like kind of a similar experience to that and just get to help coach each other and, and just kind of cheer each other on. That's awesome. Cool. That's great. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? How do they find you on the internet? Um, on the internet. That's your physical address. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm coming yeah. over right uh, now. Yeah. If you um, uh, are on Instagram, I am at Carly, the coach, K-A-R-L-I. Um, or you can go to guidedcoaching.co, guidedcoaching.co, um, and you can find out about my packages. There's a form if you want to meet and chat. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Carly, K-A-R-L-I, Williamson. So lots of ways to get in touch. Did, was your mom just like, I'm going to pick kids' names and then like spell them different and be so cool? <laughs> Is that what she said to herself? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think Hundo P. like, Hundo I don't know, Hondo P. Yeah, she's <laughs> just like, I don't know, this seems like a way to spell it. It's phonetic. And I'm like, yeah, sure. They're yeah. so pretty though. She I thought that the Lindsay with the A and, and the E, like that, that letter didn't need to be there. So and she's just right. right to the y. I mean, she is right, but also nobody spells it like this. Mm-mm. So yeah, I spell my first name and my last name every single time. And people always get it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine, it's fine. I'm fine. I don't know where she came up with Carly though. No. Mm-mm. No. Um, and Other then siblings' names. Andrea and Bryce. Pretty oh. normal names with normal spelling. Those are normal. Well, no, Bryce often is with an I. Oh, interesting. That's yeah. too much like mice. Yeah. <laughs> mice. Rice. Rice. My kids thought his name was Rice for a long time. <laughs> Uncle Rice. Uncle Rice. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to tell us, Carly? Um, trust yourself. It's all gonna work out. Just take some deep breaths. Everyone's going through it right now. You're not alone. Isn't that freeing? That's a that's really freeing advice. It just feels calming. Like you're gonna get there. Just don't don't stress so much. Yeah, it's all gonna work out. Yeah. If they hire you. Otherwise, it's dire. <laughs> Otherwise, good luck. Peace <laughs> be with you. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for being here. Super fun. And to everybody listening, this is Lindsay's and my first co-hosted episode. And Carly, do you think we nailed it? I think we nailed it. I think you nailed it. It was great. I was happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. We loved it. Have an awesome day, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Like, subscribe, share this with all your friends, tell everybody, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Thank you so much for spending your time here with the More Jody podcast today. I am so thankful that you came along and listened to this episode. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review. Share this with a friend. It would mean so much to me and have an awesome day. Go be the change that you want to see in this world. Thank you.